This is Straight to the Source, your destination for food, views and big ideas. Brought to you by two of the best in the business, Tonya Barr and Lucy Allon. Join them to discover some of Australia's most dynamic food, hospitality and agribusiness leaders. Hello and welcome to Food, Views and Big Ideas. I'm Tonya Barr. And I'm Lucy Allen. And this is the podcast from us here at Straight to the Source. In this podcast, we will be introducing you to the people who are driving our food and hospitality industry forward. Whether it be on the land, in the water, in the kitchen or from the boardroom. Each of our guests are playing a significant role in the evolution of Australia's food identity and culture. And we want you to know who they are, their views and their big ideas. We're coming to you today from Gadigal land and we'd like to begin by paying our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here today. And today we're talking to Blair Beattie, fresh off the back of a trip up to the Northern Rivers, where we had a good chat to him, actually in an oven, which <laughs> a more, baker's on, oven. more on that later. Yeah, Just to baker. give it context. <laughs> exactly. Um, Blair's history is really fascinating. He has a horticulture background. He has a hospitality background. And now, you know, he's supporting Australians transitioning to a regenerative future. And he's doing that through adapting a program um, that's called Farmer's Footprint that he's introducing here in Australia. And we had the luxury of being at the launch last week. Yeah, so it was really exciting to hear more about this initiative, which um, started in the US a couple of years ago, and which, when Blair heard about, has been on a mission to bring to Australia ever since. And it's a really interesting approach to having a broader conversation with everyone that eats food about what goes into growing and cultivating the food that we, we have on our tables and we um, eat every single day. It's, it's really about the ebb and flow of nature and working within, within nature's restraints, isn't it? Yeah, so their whole mission is to expose the human impacts of chemical farming and offer um, farmers a pathway forward through Regen Ag practices. From the first time we met, though, we were up there last year for the Artisans Festival, remember? Uh, and um, we went to Harvest, where he works and, and runs the show. And we sat there and had a good chat with him. And when we exchanged cards and he saw we had soil on our cards, he's like, I think yeah. we have something in <laughs> I common. Think we're going to get along. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, or what I think is really great about this approach is they're not just talking to farmers and chefs. They're talking to everyone and anyone that eats food and that's really important because yep. it is a much bigger conversation that needs to be had more broadly definitely i mean it's a it's a new era you know we look at all different industries and we look at how people are looking at regeneration they are focused on sustainability and the more advocators we have out there um, leading the charge the better absolutely let's listen in let's do it Oh, well, thank you for joining us. And um, it was really exciting to be at the launch of Farmer's Footprint last night. Um, it's been a two-year journey mm -hmm. and obviously a genesis before that as well, mm. two years in sort of actually making last night happen. Um, but tell us what Farmer's to Footprint is and what you would like to achieve with it. What it wants to be is a voice for our regenerative food story in Australia. So to break that down, it's a, we want to tell the stories to engage consumers and stakeholders and farmers to better practice agriculture that have all the obvious beautiful outcomes for humans, animals and planet. Um, how do we do that? 
I'm not even sure if I'm answering your question now if I go here, but essentially we want to create stories, visual, um, copy, imagery. We want to engage consumers in events and experiential adventures onto farms, speak with lots of people, do lots of listening at the same time to make sure that whatever we're doing is appropriate and invite people into a maybe changing how they view their food and how they connect with our country and our landscape. So how did you come across Farmer's Footprint? It's an interesting story, actually. Um, well, I thought it was interesting. You may not. <laughs> um, when was it? It was probably two, yeah, maybe a couple of years ago. There are bottles in the background, by the way, not milk bottles. We are <laughs> yeah, we're not sitting here drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Um, I got pinged by two different people on the same day a couple of years ago and one sent me a film to watch and another sent me a podcast to listen to. The podcast was from a guy called Zach Bush and the film was from a, a not-for-profit in America called Farmer's Footprint. And Zach Bush, of course, is the co-founder of Farmer's Footprint. So I was like, okay, maybe I need to pay attention to this one. So I listened to the podcast. I watched the movie and resonated with immediately with what the vision was and what Zach was, was sharing. Um, and the film was exactly where my sort of passion is. So it sparked something in you. Yeah. It's like, okay, i got to reach out to these guys. So I did immediately and said, love what you're doing. I need to, we need to show this film. Although it was, a, it was a film created with an American, in America with an American tone, it still had some real value in it was focused on the chemical usage in large cropping. Hmm. So I was like, we can still show this here. So I said, can I, can I show this film around the place? So I ended up going to some festivals and holding some screenings and then having a bit of a yarn afterwards. And through that, build a relationship with um, David Leon, who's the executive director of Farmers Footprint US and one of the co-founders. And we just kept having a yarn and then we'd have one every week. And then it was like, okay, why don't I bring Zach out here? And we started talking about that reality and he came out briefly pre-COVID and we just kept this relationship flowing until it was inevitable that we had to do something here in Australia. So you kind of planted that seed and... Mm. And through that relationship and through what I was doing and I've always been involved in some way in agriculture or food systems, just made sense. Mm. And the more I got into it and the more conversations that we had, it would just lit me up. And it was like, you know, when your, your passion and your purpose sort of meld, which is a very rare thing. Yeah. It's like, this feels good. Yeah, it yeah. feels right inside, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, there was, and there was no red flags. There was no roadblocks. There was nothing in me. It's like this, you know, every day I wake up wanting to be more involved to run with it can we talk about your background do you really want to go there (laughs) yeah well Well, you said you've always been in agriculture but you also have been in hospitality yes yeah um when i left school not having any idea of who i am and what i want to do i did a diploma in horticulture Ah. spent most of the time smoking pot in one of the sheds (laughs) 
but learnt a lot and realised that I really liked this. Um, what, I did, smoking pot or? <laughs> yes. Um, I prior, prior to that, I'd always been in the garden and was kind of the lawn mowing kid in the community. And so I finished, finished that and to, to, um, to work, to get through that, I'd worked in hospitality. So I got sort of segued into that world when I was very young, which is early 90s, I guess. Such a common story, isn't it? You know, and people aren't quite sure how to find their place. Sometimes mm. they're drawn into that world yeah. and then they realise that's, you know, the place for them. Ended up, you know, managing some bars and in pubs and clubs and then got into food and restaurants and the whole connection to the food system was still alive, but it just in a different form. Um, I then chuffed off overseas for a bunch of time and then reconnected to, to the gardening space and I did a PDC and got into the permaculture movement and was into community gardening and spent a lot of time looking in you know, travelling um, throughout South America and seeing the different food systems around there and it was always something of interest to me but it still I still wasn't doing anything in it. I was just learning stuff and... Um, over in the States, I was doing photography and production and then... And had you thought at this point about the food system itself and how all, food grows? Yeah. That was all interconnected yeah. then. But it was kind of like the pastime passion thing. Right. It was mm-hmm. like um, I wasn't going to go back to hospitality because it, it just wore me down, as it does with many of us. Um, but I, I didn't know what, what my place and what my purpose was in back in, in a food system, so I was just sort of having a great time shooting pictures doing productions came back to australia and kind of came back i came up to byron and then sort of plants landed and planted my feet down and said i don't want to move for a while now and And how long have you been in byron 20 years okay and that's when it sort of hit home again it's like well what makes me feel really good and where do i feel at home so started moving back into that space and had some farming projects and work, worked a lot in the community and sort of realised that somewhere in some way this is where I'm going to end up. But the, that point was when Farmer's Footprint came along. So this is my purpose. It suits my skill set and I'm very passionate about it. So let's see how far we can take it. Has the community been supportive of Farmer's Footprint? footprint? Extremely. Mm. Um, I mean, we've only just launched, so we've still been sort of incubating, you could say, and building some momentum, but it's been, this area is ripe for, Mm. and it's such a solid community and a very supportive one, so we're held really well here, and you probably experienced last night that people show up when they feel as if there's something of worth and purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The energy in the room last night was extraordinary. And the excitement and the positivity, and which is great because, you know, there's a lot of conversations around um, challenges and problems, and so it's nice to have a positive conversation about making change. Yeah, Yeah. I think we've, with the doom and gloom, we're kind of over our heads in that. Yeah. Um, and especially I, in this region, with what's you know yeah. gone on recently, and it's super. Yeah, we, we need to we need to be looking ahead, and when we look ahead, it can be full of promise and prosperity. Mm. And I, I I hold that across all spectrums of my life, um, and I think that's that's where our attention needs to be, because 
if it's not, then we we just we just get held back by the trauma that we've experienced, or the roadblocks, or the things that we think we can't do. Yeah, it's all available to us, and a lot of it's based in mindset. Yeah, and I think one of the things you said last night really resonated, which is it's about progress, not perfection. Mm. It's just about taking those small steps forward that you can make in your life or your business, mm-hmm. because all of that moves mm. forward. Forward. It's just it's- about where our trajectory is at. Yeah. And we need to stop beating ourselves up about how what we're doing wrong mm. and focus on what we're doing right. Absolutely. And I, I, that that's a big one for the farming community and our agricultural system is let's just – we don't have to change it all immediately because I think that's unreasonable and unreal. Unrealistic mm. too. So let's be real and go what are the incremental changes we can make and who can we help in uh, – and open up those pathways and not be judgmental about that because that's that's a disservice to to those which are engaged in it. I mean, fa- the farming farming community is amazing. It's the hardest job in the bloody world. Yeah, and it's very forward thinking and innovative. It's, and they're incredible. They're the biggest, best problem solvers on earth. Yeah, yeah. So and to your point, just before we were talking to a producer last week, and he said, "I just feel like." People think I aren't doing, I'm not doing, I'm not farming as well as I can. But mm. he said, I'm making so much effort to change systems and make progress. And so what we said to him, well, that's the story we've got to tell. Mm-hmm. Because it is about just making progress. It's not and about it's one presenting step this at a time. Picture. Yeah, exactly. And there's so. some the perfection's an illusion anyway. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a big, it's, it's an interesting cultural one in Australia. Mm. Um, and I'm sure you guys have experienced, you know, what are they, the tall poppy syndrome story. It's like people are actually afraid of changing things or doing good because they get cut down. Yeah. And I think that's that's just horrific. Yeah. I think Mike McCosker made that point last night when yeah, he said, okay. be brave. Mm. You know, be the person in the pub that says, I'm trying to do things differently and I just want to give it a go. And yep. I thought that was a really... Um, really important point to make it's the biggest roadblock to change not just in the agricultural system but any any spectrum of life yeah is we need courageous brave people that will stand up and take that big step forward yeah yeah and smash the paradigm yeah if it hadn't been farmers footprint that you had um launched last night do you think you would have been on a pathway to building something similar or was farmers footprint sort of i think if it wasn't that, it would have been something potentially more on a local level because we've always spoken about the potential of this region mm-hmm. and how it's unfulfilled from a, you know, a food access, a food security and a food sovereignty perspective. So I think if it wasn't that, it would be more something on creating a beautiful blueprint that we can then share like connecting the farmers and the stakeholders and and the consumers and going we have an opportunity here we're not fulfilling it and why why aren't we addressing those so-called issues and then um unifying the community here to with a a really powerful purpose Mm. we we've been found out a few times recently that we aren't food secure and far from it and that in the region or yeah. in yes right. in the region as soon as that like during the floods when those highways were yeah, um, no longer able to access north and south people panicked yeah i understand their panic because 
maybe they, yeah, that, I, it was probably unreasonable and unnecessary. But, you know, it wasn't a toilet paper scenario. But what I did notice is that people still rely m- the majority of the time on the big monopolies to access their food. And there was plenty of food around. It was challenging for a lot of markets weren't able to be held because of the the situation on the ground. Um, Farmers couldn't get access because they might have been blocked in, but there was still plenty of food around. And it was interesting that so many people thought there wasn't and Mm. then panicked. Mm. So, yeah, if I I were to answer that question, if I wasn't doing farmers' footprint, I'd be doing something in that space because I'm really passionate about... um, localising our food economy because that gives us the security that we need and with, you know, with what we've, we've experienced over the few years, I think it, it sort of flagged it as a really important something to look at. Yeah. From a national perspective, where, where do you want to take Farmer's Footprint? Every corner of the nation. We want to be... We, we, we want to be engaging with the consumer community so those people that have the buying the power with their with the way they spend their money that, and help them in discerning where they could or maybe should spend their money mm-hmm. um, we want to be talking with conversing with and supporting all the stakeholders that support a transition in our food system and of course we want to be engaging with the farming community all over all over the country. So through that, we'll be, you know, our, we've got a website up and a platform, but we we want to be engaging on the ground with communities as well because the 2D experience is great. It allows us access to information and connection like never before, but there's nothing more powerful than a 3D experience, meaning we sit in front of each other and look each other in the eye. And exchange, exchange. Like we're doing right now. Like we're doing now. Yeah. It feels so good. Like mm. I'm, so, I'm so happy this is not on a Zoom. Yeah, yeah I yeah, know. We are too. <laughs> yeah, it really <laughs> makes such a difference, that personal connection. Absolutely. Mm. And, we, and we're thrilled from a straight to the source perspective because we're so aligned mm. and collectively sharing our networks and sharing our, our um, passion for understanding soil health and where our food comes from mm. and supporting those that are growing our food. And telling their story. Exactly. Yeah. Getting the story out there, and the story is the is the pathway to bringing everyone along this journey. Mm. Yeah, like we have to be telling those stories, and the stories that have been told, it seems in Australia, from what we've understood, have been there's great stories about regeneration out there, but they've always been about the amazing guys which have had success, mm-hmm. and you know that they're the gurus and the figures that I look to for to, for inspiration. But I think the story we can tell is the human story about that transition. And that's where the juice and the meat is and where people can really engage and feel um, feel it's accessible to them. Yeah. Because when you look at the, the amazing work of the guys which have had great success or written books or it's almost unattainable for or seems to be or is perceived to be and something that's unattainable attainable for a lot of people, those lofty heights. So I think if we tell a different story and, it, and a story of potential challenge um, 
and uh, acknowledging the hardship and acknowledging that um, it's not going to be transition doesn't mean it's easy, but it is necessary because we can we we understand what the byproducts of something like that are to the health and well being of a farmer number one mm-hmm. and the food that they're producing the potential for economic success by ac- accessing a a different market and then leaving a legacy on the land for generations to come well, farmers footprint is a not for profit yes can you tell us more about that it's a it's a special purpose not for profit company mm-hmm. so that means that all we derive revenue by uh, by means of people that want or businesses that want to support us, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think very differently from a not-for-profit perspective because I've always seen it's been there's a a stigma attached to running a not or being involved in a not-for-profit where you sort of cap in hand and there's this scarcity sort of mentality. I want to flip that on its head and treat this like a really um, dynamic and agile business model. And also grassroots, like really driven by Extremely that grassroots, grassroots movement. Driven. And it, from a perspective of abundance. like Positivity. Yes. And, yep. Like if we're doing good work, we'll be supported. Yeah. And I yep. trust that. Yeah. And, I, and I've experienced that. So as long as we're doing appropriate work and building beautiful stories and engaging people, then everything else will fo- we'll follow. Will yeah. follow. We'll mm-hmm. fall into, into what we need to support what we're doing. Yeah, and accessibility as well because you have three pillars to the business, which is awareness, awareness education, education, and support. support. Yeah. yeah, And so that does give all those multiple different touch points depending on whatever perspective you come to Farmer's Footprint from or with. So mm-hmm. that's important as well. Yeah, we, we need to have enough diversity that people can engage wherever they are at on their regenerative journey, whether they be consumers, stakeholders, or farmers. If we don't have something available and accessible then we're alienating we're remiss mm. because it's a you know as we, as you guys know more than anyone that this is a very complex kind of undertaking yeah we, we, we are endeavoring yeah um so to be a little bit single single focus i think we'll, we might miss out on some of the beauty and when you you know i always look to ask the soil and look to the soil um, and soil works best with diversity, and I think we do above the ground as well. Absolutely, and and you know diversity is important as well, so that it gets the reach of that you want and need for yeah. this kind of communication. And um, you know, everybody in that room goes and talks to ten people, then the word is beginning to exactly yeah. So it's launched. So what's what's next? Like what's what's your sort of immediate purpose now um, to sort of drive drive it forward? Immediate right now is we're, we're shooting, which we just wrapped, which is very exciting, an uh, uh, impact reel. Um, to explain what an impact reel is, is it's kind of like a trailer for mm-hmm. Farmer's Footprint. So a, maybe a three-minute piece, which is really powerful and inspiring and passionate and tells, tells the viewer who we are, why we're here and what we're doing. So it's kind of like our invitation piece to, to come along, have a yarn, um, we have lots of ideas beyond that, but I think what's really important now is to make sure everyone's really clear and aware that we're on. We're now launched, and we mean business. How can people engage with Farmers Footprint? What's the call to action? 
call to action at this point in time is to to engage with us via our website, via our social media channels, with me personally because I'm always up for a yarn. What what we see is our once we launch our impact reel and throw that out into the mix, and we want to do a lot of listening. And we've been doing that for some time now because I believe that appropriate action is really important. I have some great ideas. Our team have some great ideas, but they need to be vetted and appropriate yeah. for the climate that we're in right now. So through that process that we'll, our current conversations are, we are really keen to, to start a docu-series. We're thinking it may be called On the Fence. Mm-hmm. And what that focuses on are the spaces in between conventional and regenerative. So the human story in between, the transition piece, the... Bridging that gap. Yes. Yeah. How closely are you working with um, the folks in America? We, we, I catch up with them every, every week. We have okay. a yarn. Yep. And just sort of feed into what's going on and what we're doing. We'll be working on um, some collaborative stuff. We're doing a bit of a rebrand and redesign at the moment, mm-hmm. which will be encompass both Australia and America. Um, the hope is that there's nodes of farmers footprint pop up all over the globe and we can be this interconnected network that has a global reach and can tell a global story so when you know someone from south africa reached out to us last week and said hey can we have a chat um i'm just waiting till new zealand goes hey what are you doing yeah canada and the u.s are in in, um, talking to some guys in canada as well so yeah to answer that question we're we're in conversation constantly how that collaboration and how and wh- what we do together, we're sort of still working out. We, we need to get some traction on the road. We need to prove who we are. And um, I think in six months' time, you'll see that space being a, a much tighter knit. But well, they're, they're extremely supportive. They've been amazing throughout this whole journey. They're beautiful people. They're doing great work. We'll have a nuance. We'll tell the Australian story. I was going to mm-hmm. say, because you've got this global platform, haven't you? With, but then you've got to have these um, cultural-specific uh, expressions of it in each country because Without Australia doubt. is so different to America. Well, it's, it's so different. The same to, as landscape, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And I was, yeah. Like, so you can't yeah. go and try and grow, you know, exactly. kale over – yeah. it's just not yeah. going to work. So we have to have our Australian story. We have to be autonomous in our decision-making. And we also have to um, you know, acknowledge the Australian nuance, yeah. which is, yeah, it's just, again, appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm so pleased and warmed that you guys made the effort to be up here and it speaks volumes about where our relationship to, could go as well. I just feel I'm all, I, I was so impressed when I met you guys last year and to come up again, um, it, it means a lot. Because it just means our mycelial network is growing further. Yeah. And I think the potential of us collaborating and doing some great work together is in- inevitable because what you're, what you're doing now is exactly what we want to support and help tell the stories of. Yeah. Like, you guys are amazing. You're, I can't believe how much stuff you do, to be honest. <laughs> We've covered thousands of kilometres yeah. in the last week, which is interesting and exciting. Rest- restrictions lifted and <laughs> off we went. I mean, to, yeah. to throw back a question to you, to you guys, I mean, what do you see collaboration? Because I'm always interested with, with parties, whether they be businesses or value-aligned people in the food space. It's like, well, 
understanding a little bit about who who we are what do you see collaboration with us as like how can we be helping you um i'm interested in hearing what that might look like i think it's to strengthen community mm. i think that's for the heart of it strengthen community and also bridging that gap i mean we're often you know the conduit between industry and mm-hmm. chefs and the primary producer mm-hmm. and the artisan. So, um, or even just understanding that supply chain better, mm-hmm. that educational piece. So, mm-hmm. with what you're doing, and and also, yeah, with what you're doing and what we're doing, and collectively, it's really amplifying it. Yeah, and telling telling the story and yeah. providing that accessibility and having the conversations and making the personal connections—they're all absolutely invaluable. You know, the conversation when you stand in the paddock. Mm-hmm. Is you can just learn so much, hear so much, take so much away from it, and that's you know, information really, sharing yeah, too. Exactly, and mo- that, that's what moves things forward. That's what's really important. Agreed. Yeah, what, from on the ground over the last couple of weeks, what we we've taken notice of is that there needs to be a deeper conduit, but farmer, farmer to farmer. Like I, I've noticed that locally, no doubt, but um, across the nation there's a big potential that we're feeling just from feedback from some of the most amazing growers in the country. They're not real, you know, we talk about, oh, have you listened to so-and-so or have you read this? And like, nah. And so, oh, my God, I always forget that when you farm, you haven't got time to do anything else. Yeah. So it's like, okay, maybe that's a role, you know, it's always been a consideration of one of our roles. But again, it's like what's appropriate on the ground right now and yep. what, what we're seeing from farmers is like you need to be speaking to this guy and you're not. Mm. So, yeah. so not dissimilar to, to chefs or restaurant tours, like when we do our tours, one of the beautiful, beautiful experiences that happen is chefs get to hang out with other chefs, mm-hmm. like-minded individuals and share ideas and information and, and they're too busy in their restaurants so they don't get an opportunity to do that. So we we give them that and it's not dissimilar to what you're talking about right now with farmers mm-hmm. they're too busy on in their paddocks and on their property so when you get them together they they do they can their shoulders can drop they can yeah. be looked after and they can connect so, and sharing the highs yeah. and the lows yeah knowing that you're not the only person experiencing them mm-hmm. it's really important so maybe that there is where where that collaboration lies yes, exactly yeah. well i think um we're going to have to head to the airport soon Yes. As much as we love uh, this, okay, can we just paint a picture here? We are sitting inside an oven. Well, a wood-fired oven. The old bakery (laughs) oven. (laughs) So that's the oven right there. Yeah. Which is why it's very warm in here for the benefit of our listeners. Yes, it's kind of of like doing a Bikram podcast. (laughs) Um, And this is kind of an add-on room that was, back in the day, part of the oven, as you can see here. This is a 120 years old. This was the like the heartbeat of this community in Nuriba. This is where people would have their sourdough at home and they'd come in here and bake it so everyone would get wow. together. It's like it's, it's got – and it's it still is the heartbeat. So that's been re-renovated. It's still a wood-fired oven, but we're sitting right next to it in the private dining room, which is a den of iniquity, as I said. Uh, and I love that we could hear the, the – the bread going in and out of the oven and the people that are enjoying the beautiful pastries have been walking past. So we definitely feel like we're in the heartbeat of, um, 
of uh, Harvest Nirobar. And uh, David Moyle, who opened the door for us, he's like, here's the thing. I'm going to turn this whole thing back into an oven. Just letting <laughs> you know. Has he told you that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, David. Which is not unexpected or unsurprising, I should say. Uh, oh, Blair, thank you. Thank you for your time and for all the hard work you're doing. And we really look forward to supporting Farmers yeah. Footprint and um, collaborating and going into the future in a really positive light, making, you know, some good Moving progress. Moving forward on that journey together. I look forward to it as well. Thanks for everything you guys do. And I look forward to seeing you again. And please don't miss your flight. No. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be back. <laughs> yeah, that, that's okay. You know the code. Yeah, that's yes, right. we do. Roll out our swag bag. Well, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We really hope you enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed the conversation. You'll find links to anything mentioned in today's chat in the show notes. We have some more extraordinary guests lined up and we would love you to join us again. So please make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss future episodes. We'd also love to hear any of your feedback, good or bad, or perhaps you've got a guest you'd love to hear from. You can let us know. And the best way to stay up to date with what we're doing, who we're talking to, and where you'll find us around the country is to become part of the Straight to the Source community at straighttothesource.com.au forward slash community. Until next time.